Thank you, Julie. God bless you. What a blessing they are to Woodland Hills, Julie and Chris. Man, I remember marrying them. And they've been here faithful, and her dad got saved here. Man, just what a blessing God has done in their lives. Turn, if you would, to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3. 1 Samuel, chapter 3. In uh, the summer, we're going through the prophets and preaching from the prophets. 1 Samuel, chapter 3. And let me also just mention one other name to pray for that uh, I just left off the list. I had it on the end and it didn't flip up. But to remember to pray for Ron and Vicki uh, Legrand. Uh, pray for them. Uh, what a blessing they are to our church also. First Samuel chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. First Samuel 3 verse 10. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do in Israel uh, a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I began, I will also make an end. For I've told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, here am I. Verse 17, he said, what is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee and more also if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him everything, hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Father, thank you this morning for speaking to us. Thank you that we have the revealed word of God right here in our hands today. God, help us to be ever increasingly studying and meditating and praying to seek your precious will for our lives. We love you and thank you. I ask you to do great things in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're visiting with us, thank you for being here today. We are missing our choir. I don't know if that does anything to you, but I tell you, that just knocks the wind out of me. I have to... I have to get mad to preach if the choir's not here. So, uh, Brother Donnie mentioned a while ago that I would preach in truth and love. I got the truth down, but the love I'm not sure about. Uh, but I will do my best. But uh, we will have a choir back up here in August. We give them a month off, and we don't wear ties during July and August. We just kind of go free. Uh, and uh, that's as far as we're going to go, though. I know some of y'all take that to the extreme. But uh, if, if you're li- looking for a church, we do have a choir. A lot of churches don't have choir anymore, but we do. And we have a great choir, and I praise the Lord for them. 
300 years since the death of Moses, as Samuel has written here, and God has backed off of his people. The Bible says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Verse 1 of chapter 3, he ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious, or that Hebrew word rare. There was no open vision because the spiritual heavens were shut up because of unbelief and unrighteousness. God had left his people because his people had left him. And so God just backed off. He just backed off. Verse 21, God appears again unto Shiloh, but he doesn't come back to a movement this time. He comes back to a man or a boy named Samuel. He is the spark to ignite an awakening in Israel. And it's important. Samuel is going to anoint David as king, and David is a forerunner of Jesus. So all of this is very important. The Old Testament's like a picture book. Everything we see taught in the New Testament is really illustrated in picture form by the things that happen to the people in the Old Testament. So when we look at this story here in 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we'll cover chapters 1, 2, and 3, uh, but we just kind of head off here in the middle of it and refer back to it. We see, first of all, that Samuel was a gift from God. The Bible, I mean, you, honestly, every baby is a gift from God. But uh, Hannah, in chapter 1, someone had been tormenting Hannah. I don't know why people want to do that. People just mean, cruel, disgusting, you know. But somebody had been tormenting Hannah because she didn't have a baby. And so Hannah prays to God, God, please let me have a baby. And God, if you'll let me have a baby boy, I'll give him back to you. And he'll be able to be raised in the tabernacle, and you'll be able to use him as your instrument. And that's exactly what she did. She was praying with a broken heart. And, and, and uh, listen, if, if you're here this morning and you want a child, uh, you say, is it all right to pray for a child? Sure, it's all right to pray for a child. It's always all right to pray. God may answer your prayer. A few weeks after that, you'll be praying, God, give me the strength to handle what you delivered me. But, but you go ahead and pray that. It never hurts to ask God. And uh, we're stewards. God gives us these children, and they really belong to the Lord. And we need to teach our children. The goal in life is not to be happy. The goal in life is to literally please God. No one's going to ever experience joy if they're not pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where joy comes from. Now, that doesn't mean a life free of fun. I mean, there's a lot of Christians. We were talking about the dinner table last week after we played that video of the herd and the cats. Uh, my mama would have been the first one to say, that ain't got no place in church. I guarantee you she'd have said that. And I, I think I heard her say it even from where I was. <laughs> I'm not sure. But I, you know, uh, but I want to tell you something. I come from a, a group of long hellfire brimstone preachers, but I want to tell you, I've discovered something. God's not mad every day. You know, every once in a while, God says, hey, let's cut up. Let's have a little good time. Let's be, let's be happy. I, I'm not talking about a life free of fun or free of joy or free of activity. I'm talking about a life centered around Christ, blessed life, joyful life, a God-pleasing life. He was a gift from God. And then we see that he was dedicated to the Lord. Uh, it goes back to really Numbers chapter 6. If you go to 1 Samuel 1, 11, 
The Bible says this, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there'll be no razor come upon his head. Now that means that he's going to have the Nazarite vow. It's a spiritual vow. It's a vow of holiness, a vow of of godly character and holy conduct. Really ought to mark every Christian. But especially if you've taken the Nazarite vow, there were three things you could not do. Number one, you couldn't cut your hair. Couldn't cut your hair. Now, we all know the story. You see, the hair is a symbol of the mind being controlled by the power of God. And we know the story of Samson, and he was a Nazarite, had the Nazarite vow, and of course Delilah was running her fingers through his hair, and, and I don't know what all else, but I know through the hair, and, and they cut the hair, and, and of course he loses his strength. Now it's not the fact of the length of the hair, it's what the hair represents. The hair represents that the Holy Spirit of God is controlling the mind of a person. It means the mind is governed by the power of God. In the New Testament, we call it the mind of Christ. That's what we call it in the New Testament. So no cut hair. Second thing, a Nazarite vow could not touch alcoholic beverages, period. Now this is ironic for Baptists. I know Baptist folks who spend their whole life trying to prove it's okay to drink. I mean, they'll do anything in the world to prove it's okay to drink. If you want to drink, drink. I'm not telling you not to drink. I'm telling you, though, if you're going to have a Nazarite vow, you can't touch liquor. That's just one of the things. Alcohol is a fleshly desire. It is to please the passions of the flesh. And it comes from a fleshly nature. And a man who has his passions and appetite under the control of the Holy Spirit doesn't need alcohol. Amen. That's a good place for it right there. (laughs) Now, the third thing is they could not touch a dead body. A dead body was considered unclean. And that simply means as Christians, we're to be free from the destructive and the decaying influences of sin. And how do you do that? You do it by confessing sin, by repenting of sin. You do it by avoiding sin. You do it by keeping sin out of your life. This boy was dedicated at an early age, dedicated by his mother. He's not going to touch alcohol. The power of God's going to move and control his mind. And he's not going to touch anything that's going to bring spiritual death to his life. May God give us a generation of young people like that again. See, if you could start serving God at an early age, man, what a blessing it would be. You teenagers, what a blessing. I mean, you, 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 it pleases the Lord, first of all. Secondly, your heart's more tender. You get older. You get more tough. You get more cynical. You, get, uh, it, you, you don't have any problem uh, exercising faith, and you're not skeptical about life. And I want to tell you, you'll save yourself, young people, from a lot of heartache and pain if you'll begin to serve God at an early age. Now, listen to me. Don't miss, I don't mind being quoted. Just don't misquote me. God forgives sin. Amen? Praise God for that. Boy, we just sang about it. Love, uh, uh, the red blood washes our sins white as snow. Praise God for that. But I want to tell you, here's the thing that many people don't look at. You can be forgiven of that sin, but there are sins in your life that you commit that the consequences and the fallout of go all the way through your life. I wish we had time this morning and some adults had enough guts 
Because there are adults sitting right here who are living a miserable life because they didn't follow God when they were young. And they're paying for it now. It's not that they're going to hell. They've been saved. God's forgiven their sin. But the consequences of the sin continues on. And so he's dedicated as a young man. Uh, you say, can a child or be sold out? Well, Samuel was. Josephus, the first century historian, Jewish historian, if we believe him, Samuel was about 11 years old, somewhere like that. We're talking about an 11-year-old kid. Ha. Huh. I don't know how anybody's heart can't be touched. I love it when the children's choir sings. You always, I always know. They don't necessarily tell me ahead of time they're going to sing, but I always know when they're going to sing. How do I know that? Because there are people sitting down here in the front that never come down this far to the front. <laughs> Amen? When you see them sitting right down here in the front, you know, bless God, they're, they're fixing to sing. The choir's going to sing. And I don't know how you can listen to children praising the Lord and get up and walk out of here with a cold heart. I mean, those little kids who just praise in God with every ounce of strength they've got. You say, can a little child get saved? If he can carry on a conversation with an adult, he'll carry on a conversation with God. Sure, he can be saved. That's why we parents need to expose our children to Jesus Christ at an early age. And we need to make the gospel clear to them and, and make sure that decision to be saved comes early because then you've got your whole life to serve the Lord. He, uh, he was a gift from God. He was dedicated to the Lord. And then let me tell you the third thing here is he listened to the Lord. <laughs> he listened to the Lord. Does God still speak? Yes. Rare. But in this day, God spoke to Samuel. The Bible says when he was weaned by his mother, she took that little boy. It's a bittersweet day. She had promised God that she would give that boy back. And she takes him back the day that he was weaned and gives him over to Eli in the tabernacle. She kept her vow to God. And in the first part of chapter 3, Samuel goes to bed one night and he hears a voice. Samuel. Immediately Samuel gets up and he goes over to Eli and he said, yes, sir. What do you need, Eli? Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. Samuel's in a sleep. He, Samuel, he gets up and he goes back to Eli. He said, yes, sir, Eli, what did you need? And Eli, let me tell you, he's, he's been a pretty sorry daddy. He's not been a very good parent. But he realizes God is probably speaking. And he said, listen, and, 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 I, and I do think maybe sometimes this correlates to us. Sometimes when God's speaking to us, let me tell you, we don't want to hear what God's got to say. We'd rather go chase down somebody else's opinion because we want them to tell us what we want to hear rather than hear what God wants to say to us. But Eli said, Samuel, if it happens again, you say, your servant heareth, Lord. It's God speaking to you. Samuel goes back. He goes to bed. Samuel. And he said the third time, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Now, not everybody can hear the Lord. Uh, I want to tell you, the Lord, don't come telling me that you heard the Lord and it's contrary to the word of God. Because the word that you hear from God 
in here will always bear witness here. It'll always line up. God's not wishy-washy. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God speaks in a clear, simple, small voice, but he also speaks through creation. He speaks through our conscience. He speaks through circumstances. The revelation from God is not really rare today. We've got the entire revelation of God right here in this book. That's why we ought to keep our nose in this book and we ought to meditate on this book day and night. What a privilege to have the Bible. Some came here because they've got a critical ear. I got a lady right now that's so mad at me on Facebook. She said, I haven't, she sent me a PM. I haven't heard from you in a while. I said, yes, ma'am. I've known her mom and daddy. We've known her mom and daddy for 40 years. I said, yes, ma'am. I didn't want to say anything ugly. She said, what do you mean? So I said, well, she said, what do you mean? So I get to tell her what I mean. <laughs> I said, I've been to two county fair in the hall call, and I've never seen anybody as mean as you are. <laughs> You're the most critical one woman I've ever seen in my life. Do you ever get happy over anything? Now I hadn't heard back from her. <laughs> But I probably will. She's probably thinking of what she's going to write. But I want to tell you, when you're critical, you're going to miss the voice of God. Because you're not going to be able to hear God because you're critical of everything. You're shooting everything down. And then you can't hear God if you're curious. Paul went up on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17 where the wise men went and they talked and they debated and they argued over all these things. And, and the Bible says it was religions and philosophies and they loved to hear some new thing. If you're looking to hear some new thing, you're going to miss the voice of God. And then some people can't hear because they got clogged ears. Now, I'm not talking about wax, I'm talking about sin. When you have unconfessed sin in your life, it affects how you hear God. He can't speak to you and you hear Him when you've got unconfessed sin in your life. Now, I, I wish I could make it plainer. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm trying. I'm studying. I'm trying to be a better preacher. I don't know how it happens. I see these guys that do all these creative things. I'm not creative at all. I have the idea that you really don't hear, need to hear what I think. You really need to hear, thus saith the word of God, the truth of God. This is the word of God. God's got something to say. And sometimes it's not always that inspiring. I mean, medicine's not always good. Some of y'all ate bran flakes and drank prune juice this morning. You going to tell me you enjoyed that? No, but it's good for you. <laughs> sometimes it's like whipped cream on an apple pie. Sometimes it's like that two-liter bottle you drink before you go for a colonoscopy. <laughs> now, what God told him, I want to tell you, folks, this is somber stuff right here, verses 13, uh, 10 through 13. Judgment's going to fall, and it's got to do with what Eli did not do and what Eli's sons did do. And then verse 14 is the most somber of all. He said, I sworn in the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Hey, it's over. God's fed up. There's nothing they can do 
Nothing they can do to stop it. What a somber thought to think God says, hey, I've had enough of you, Eli, and I've had enough of your family. You're out. I want to tell you, as a believer, you backslide and you go against the teaching of the Word of God, and if you're truly saved, you resist the chastening of the the Lord, God's going to come and rip you out and take you home, saved as by fire, strip you of all your rewards. What a way to meet the one who died on Calvary for your sins. What a way to meet the one who suffered and was persecuted and had a crown of thorns and a spear in his side and then had to rip you out of earth because you would not repent. What a way to meet the Lord. God says, I've had it, Eli. You didn't restrain your sons. Parents, we need to restrain our kids. We need to train them. We need to keep them. My kids are not in here this morning, so I can go ahead and say it. We need to keep our kids from doing crazy, stupid things. Now, my daughter-in-law and son would flip out. They said, Dad, you don't say stupid. You need to teach your kids that there are some people who are doing some stupid things. Let me get down and do some baby talk. I'm going to count to 100 now, and you'd better stop. We're going to put you in time out. Would to God they'd had time out 60 years ago. The Bible says restrain them. Teach them to fear the Lord. But Eli had turned a blind eye to everything they were doing. God says, your sons, Eli, are not just sinning. They're from a priestly family, and they're leading my people to sin. Boy, God doesn't cut anything back. He said, your sons are good for nothing. You can read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Oh, it starts there about verse 15. They burnt the fat. The priest servants came. Verse 16 they failed to burn. They wasn't doing the sacrifices right. The sin of the young men was great before the Lord. The men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But Samuel kept on ministering. And uh, you go down to verse 22. Now this is what they're doing. Eli was old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel. How they lay with the women assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. They were laying with the women committing immoral acts at the door of the tabernacle. Wow. Say, preacher. Oh, I don't know. We got church members slipping around having affairs. We got folk been living together for years and never been married. Been on the honeymoon, but never been married. it's just wrong folks it's just wrong and I know I know it got quiet everybody wants to tiptoe around all this and people say now brother Charles that's what I don't like about the Baptist church y'all just so negative I'm not being negative I'm telling you the truth I'm just telling you the truth. Can you imagine a doctor Then when you go in there and you've got terminal cancer but the doctor says that's so negative Let me tell you what to do. Go on home and enjoy yourself. Eat a popsicle, relax, have a good time. Everything's all right. 
I don't want a doctor like that. I want one that will tell me, hey, here is one reason you may be able to get over this. So I'm just telling you, don't come up in here with your coffee table-sized Bible thumping around living in sin. Because that's wrong. And, and, and here's the thing. <laughs> Whew. God gives this message to an 11-year-old boy. You say, well, maybe Josephus was wrong. Okay, so he's 13. Could have been nine. He gives it to a boy. The message is that the Philistines are going to invade and Eli's sons are going to be killed. And when they deliver the news to Eli, Eli dies and then the ark is stolen for a while. That's the message that God gives this kid. Let me give you the fourth thing, though, that's here. He spoke for the Lord. He spoke. Verse 17, he said, What's this thing that the Lord said unto thee? So I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he saith unto you. Don't hide it. Don't hide it. So old Samuel just lowers a boom. He tells him everything. Verse 18 says, he tells him everything. And now listen, if, any, if there's any bright spot in this entire thing, it's right here in verse 18. And he said, talking about Eli, well, it's the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. Wow. He's just unloaded what's fixing to happen to you, Eli. And Eli says, well, it's, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. He didn't say, don't judge me. You can't be, I'm so tired of this religious condemnation. I can't take it. Quit making me feel guilty. I don't understand why God's so mean to me. Eli said, that's a word from God. The Bible says, don't despise the chastening from the Lord. That chastening word is the word discipline. Accept it. If you're a child of God and you're living that kind of life, it's not if you're going to be disciplined, it's going to be when you're disciplined. When you are disciplined, receive it. You say, well, Brother Charles, I just believe in the eternal security of the believer. Or, quote, once saved, always saved. You have no idea what that means. The eternal security of the believer is always tied into the perseverance of the saints. If you have eternal, see, eternal security of the believer, you will persevere to the end. You're not going to quit in the middle of it. You need to say, Lord, I deserve it. I thank you. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not challenged uh, mentally here. i got sense enough to know you're right, I'm wrong, I want to confess it, I want to repent of it, and I'm going to correct my life because I do not want to displease you. And there are big people say, well, I just, I'm under grace. You know, I thank God for grace. I've been living in sin 10 years, and I thank God for grace. You better read Hebrews 12. That's not grace. That's called illegitimate children. And God will leave you alone. He'll leave you alone. You don't need revival. You don't re need renewal. You don't need rededication. What you need is regeneration. What you need is salvation. What you need is the Lord Jesus Christ. This little boy got more guts than any preacher I know of. More guts. He didn't hesitate. 
I mean, I'm sitting here today thinking, I can't say that now because this group over here is going to move their letter. And if I say this over here, this group over here is going to pout. And I'll be honest with you, I'd rather you come up and slap me in the face and sit there <laughs> like a swollen toad frog. I, I can't say that because this group over here is going to start a campaign to quit giving and flush the preacher out. God give us preachers and moms and dads and students who will say, thus saith the Lord. That's what we need today, folks. He was a gift to the Lord. He was dedicated to the Lord. He listened to the Lord. He spoke for the Lord. And we'll tell you what else. The Bible says he was close to the Lord. Verse 19, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, he followed the Lord. He followed every detail. And then the scripture goes on to say, in verse 20, all Israel from Dan, that's the most northern part of the kingdom, all the way down to Beersheba, that's the most southern part of the kingdom, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. Wow. Verse 21, the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Let me just wrap this up and just give you four or five things here and I'm through. We're early today, aren't we? <laughs> Y'all love Jordan leading music. He gets out a little earlier, don't he? We'll blame it on Aaron. Aaron. Let, let, me, let me give you. <laughs> Next week it'll be back to the normal routine, all right? Let me give you four or five things here, and we're through. Number one, I take from this scripture that parenting is a serious responsibility. It's serious. We've got to train. Let me tell you, that's why we're doing everything. 30 years ago, Baptists sunk all their money in youth ministry. It has dawned on us that by the time you guys get to be 14, 15 years old, I mean, we still sink a lot of money into y'all. But I want to tell you, the truth is, we need to get those kids when they're young. That's why this children's building, building for eternity, is so important. Because we need to get those kids. That's why this children's church is so important. These kids, as they go to camp, some 44 of them tomorrow will be leaving. Good Lord, would you pray for the sponsors with 44 of our kids in some bunk beds. I guarantee you, have mercy. I'm thankful I'm old. <laughs> ah, parenting is a great responsibility. Now listen to me. You, you do whatever you want to do. But as a parent, we are responsible to God for how we raise our children. We're responsible to God. <laughs> Brother Dale, the preacher called me this week and said, Did y'all know O.J. Simpson was a Baptist? I don't remember what the percentage is. It's over 80, 85% of everybody in the pen is a Baptist. I'm just telling you. It's, it's a, you remember what the, it's way up there. It's, it's 85 plus percent of all the people in the penitentiaries in the state of Texas are Baptist. <laughs> That'll bless your heart. I know how loving this church is. I'm thankful some of them are still over there or else they'd be here probably. Well, 
we're accountable to God. And let me tell you guys, if you don't train your kids now, you won't train them when they get to be 17 or 18. If you don't teach them now, you won't teach them later on. It won't happen. And I know some of you are saying, well, preacher, I, I bring my kid, but he just wants to throw a fit. Listen, there's no godly adult in this auditorium that will get upset with you with your kid throwing a fit. We've all had kids do that. Sit in the middle of the grocery store just throwing a wall-eyed fit. You just smile, say, hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. I mean, you just, listen, it's not going to hurt anybody here. Not going to hurt anybody. We'd rather see you discipline those kids and, and then become soldiers of the Lord than you give in to their whim and haul them out of here and then them live any way they want to live. Parenting is a great responsibility. But let me tell you, being a child is a great responsibility because you're accountable to how you honor your father and your mother. Mm. Now the third thing I just jotted down is I would say from this story, we need to get right with God now because you're not going to get any younger. Every one of us are getting older. And, and so the time to get right with God is now. The other thing I get from this story, if you're living a sinful, wild, crazy, immoral life and there's no chastisement, you ought to run down this aisle to be saved today because I can tell you, you lost. You're without Christ. Now, the other side of that, if God's beating the tar out of you, you need to run down this aisle and get right with God. Get it straight. Stop the whining, get some relief, and let God have his way in your life. There's one other thing I get from this story. I was raised in the hippie generation. I used to have long hair. <laughs> I don't know what's so funny about that. <laughs> We married, I had hair, didn't we? Yeah. I see from this story that God just needs one person to make a difference. One little 11-year-old boy. <laughs> I hear people still all the time fighting about praise courses. Last week we had great praise courses. Today we had a good mixture, but we sang old ones too. Sometimes people will visit and they'll say, your church has gone different. Everything you did was praise courses today. Good grief. Man, get a grip. What do you think the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book, that's a praise course. What do you think Do Lord was? But in the 70s, we used to do this at youth retreats. We'd all go and we'd love to build fire. Young people love fire. So we'd build a fire. And they'd give all of us a piece of paper. And you'd write down your sin on that paper. And then you'd put it in that fire and burn it up. And you would do one of two songs. The first one, the oldest one we used to sing. Kumbaya, my Lord. And we'd all sway. Kumbaya. Amen. Can I get a witness? Somebody been in them things? Yeah. Yeah. And then along about the 70s with the hippie generation, there was a new chorus that came into town. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around are caught up in its glowing. 
He goes on to say that's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, I'm just asking this morning, is there anybody in this place today that would say, God, I want to be the spark. I want to be the spark that brings my family back to the kingdom of God. I want to be the spark that brings Woodland Hills. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. Just one person that would say, I want to be the spark. I want to be the spark that will turn East Texas around. I want to be the spark that would bring revival to America. It only takes a spark. One person. I love verse 21. God revealed himself to Samuel. Lord, we are grateful today for your word. I ask you, Lord Jesus, in this place, I know there are many different folks, and we have different needs in this place. So God, I pray today, there's some in this place that honestly they know there's no doubt they know that if they were to die right now they don't want to face it they don't want to look at it but the truth is if they were to die right now if they were to have a stroke if they were to have a heart attack if something if they were in an accident and they died right now they know they'd spend eternity separated from God and the ones that love them and their family so today Lord Jesus I'm praying don't don't let anything hinder them from coming to be saved. And Lord, there are others in this place that know we're saved, and Lord, there's no doubt whatsoever, but God, the real truth of it is we lost our spark a long time ago. And we've become critical and cynical, and oh God, what we need is a fresh touch, a new anointing from your Holy Spirit that would guide us and direct us. God, there are folk here that need a church home, I pray that we could be a church home that would be a blessing to people. That people could serve you without any strings attached in this place. We would please you, honor and glorify you. Would you have your way today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm just going to ask you. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to come to you. not going to call your name. not going to send you a letter. not going to do nothing. All I want to do is pray. All I want to do is pray. I believe the greatest power we have is a power of prayer. But if you say, preacher, you're talking to me this morning. It really wasn't you. It was God talking. I know I'm not saved. And I, I don't know that I've got enough guts to get up and come down. I don't know. I just don't know. But I do know that I need to be saved. I do know that if I died right now, I'd never see any of y'all in this church again. I'd be separated. If you're one of those, would you just, and you would let me pray for you, would you just slip up your hand wherever you are? Just slip it up. Let me see it. Thank you. Put it back down. Anybody else in the balcony? I, I know I'm not saved. I need to be saved. Young person, teenager, adult, senior adult, anyone else? Let me ask you this, if you're saved and you know it, but you're not living the life that would honor and please the Lord Jesus Christ right now today, and you know good and well because you're not doing that, chastisement is going to come. But you say, preacher, pray for me. Pray that I judge myself and I get my heart right with God before judgment does come. And pray that God would just 
have mercy on me and deal with me and I would confess my sin and repent of it right now. Would you just slip up your hand and let me pray for you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just slip it up and put it down. God, hands all over this place. Lord, would you have your own way? Have your own way. I know what your way is according to salvation. It's not your will any should perish, but all come to life. I know what your way is concerning our fellowship. You said if we regard iniquity in our heart, you'd not hear us. You want us to confess it. You said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks can walk out of this place relieved and, a, and just a, a, an entire load off of them today if they'll just come to you. Would you have your way right now, Lord Jesus, is our prayer. Amen. Would you stand together? Brother